welcome. Thank you for joining us here at AmazingLove.org. And, uh, you know, it's been a dream of mine to reach people all across the world with a message of Jesus and his love. And so whether you're joining us from near or far, so glad that you're here. And we'd love to hear what God is doing in your life. So if he's blessed you by this ministry, please email us at impactatamazinglove at gmail.com. If you'd like to support this ministry and make sermons like this possible every week ongoing, please go to amazinglove.org and go to our giving tab. But now may God bless you. May he guide you. May he speak into your life and direct you all through the power of his love. Thank you. So welcome once again as we kick off our series on Abraham. I hope God again works powerfully through his word to bless you. You know, a wise man once said this phrase, that the only thing that is for certain is uncertainty. The only thing that is for certain is uncertainty. Let's talk about that a little bit. Perhaps you heard what happened in our nation this past week. And just awful things when it comes to Dallas. And before that, maybe you heard of what happened in Minnesota and Louisiana. And, and we just wonder, what's going to happen? Because we've seen tensions rise. We've seen tensions rise within, which is always heartbreaking. What's going to happen? What does the future hold? Now, I don't mean to get political or take sides, but I, I saw a great phrase by uh, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Look at the quote he says about those tensions we hear about, whether it be Dallas or Minnesota, Louisiana. It says, Darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. Hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. My friends, I think the true answer is something that we as Christians, if you call yourself that, hold. It is this love that is enough to forgive and love enemies. It is a love that is so lavish that says no matter what you have done, you still deserve to know of peace and forgiveness through Jesus. Dear friends, we hold that truth. We hold that light in a dark world to show this kind of love. But what is really going to happen in the future? I don't know. What about the state of our nation with the presidency going on? I don't know if we follow the news this way, but there is enough information on both presidential frontrunners, because uh, you can be a Christian on both sides. There's enough information that both of them are severely flawed. Would we agree? That they have enough. 
And so what does this mean for our country going forward based on if one of those front runners is our president? The answer is, I don't know. What about ISIS? You know, ISIS is a household name now. ISIS was a little bit behind those shootings in Pulse nightclub. And what are we going to do when the threat of terrorism never seems to go away? What about the state of Christianity in America? I was at a conference, I remember a couple years ago, and there was a Christian from Australia who said, I moved to the Midwest because I thought this was the epicenter of God's work in the world. This was the place where many Christians were, where we could move mountains together, and this is the place that he came. Going forward, are we still going to be such a voice for God? I don't know. What about your lives? Let's break it down from abroad to to just what's going on. Is anyone right now facing uncertain times? Is anyone looking forward and and you're not sure what the future is bringing? If you can, could you just participate with me? Who's facing a bit, whether large or little, uncertainty? Yeah. Because we know how the world works. We go through job changes and we go through school changes and we move and and, and we go through different things like a new baby and and all these things change our life and the the future which was clear before doesn't seem so clear anymore. And I wanted to tell you that a pastor is not immune from all this. So so maybe it's good that I'm up here because I can can empathize, I can relate. In our own household, we go through changes, new school years, new jobs with my wife, all these kind of things. Um, I remember uh, setting together a ministry plan. And if you can be here, our ministry plan is August 14th. We're going to talk about it and we're going to say, this is what we're going to do together. But I've sometimes gotten the question, what do you think is going to happen? And all I know is what I'm going to do. I don't know what's going to happen. And so in uncertain times, uh, I've been saying it quite a bit, the the, the reality is it's a hard thing to say, but it's, I think, a brave thing to say. We just got to be real with the fact that I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen with the tensions in our country. I don't know what's going to happen with the next president. I I don't know what's going to happen in your life, in my life. I I just don't know. So I'm glad you came to church today. I hope you come back next week. No. No. Is there anything that God can do to speak into this? Is there an answer or something we can do even in uncertain times? That's what I want to get into with you today. And I believe God will show up in a powerful way to answer what we do in uncertain times. So let's get into the life of what we know as Abram or Abraham. And just so you know, I'm going to change those names around a little bit uh, because Abram was where he started. It means exalted father. And Abraham is a name he was given by God for later because he would have many nations come through him. It just means father of many nations. But hopefully you won't like autocorrect me if I'm like Abraham, Abraham, you know, just they go together. Anyway, um, so we're going to get into his story. And where we find him in scripture is in completely uncertain times. He has no idea of what the future is going to hold. And, and, and we're going to learn from him today. So I invite you to look at Genesis chapter 12. Uh, we're going to just consider the whole thing together and discuss it. The Lord had said to Abram, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. And I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So Abram went, as the Lord had told him. And Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. He took his wife Sarai, his nephew Lot, all the possessions they had accumulated and the people they had acquired in Haran, and they set out for the land of Canaan and arrived there. Abram traveled through the land as far as the site of the great tree of Morah in Shechem. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. 
the Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring I will give this land. So he built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. From there he went toward the hills of east of Bethel and pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. There he built an altar to the Lord and called on the name of the Lord, which is another way of saying he worshipped the Lord. So Abram is told to go to a place he's never been for a future. He has no idea what it will look like. And yet we learn from him today. May God so bless our discussion. On a lighter note, I don't know if you've been watching what's going on in the NBA and with certain trades going on. Um, we have gotten rid of Derrick Rose, and this week we picked up a guy who I like. His name is Dwayne Wade. Now, Dwayne Wade is a Chicago kid. He played at Richards High School in Oak Lawn, and, and I don't know if you know this, but he's actually helped out at basketball camps in New Lenox. You know that? Uh, Mayor Balderman knows him. Here's a picture of Dwayne Wade in New Lenox at Lincoln Way Central. That's pretty cool. And, and not only is he a good basketball player winning three titles with the Heat, two with LeBron, but I don't know what you think. He's an overall likable guy. Like, he's pretty smooth. He, he's a good talker. He, he just, I, I look forward to interviews with Dwayne Wade. He's just likable. So, so when it comes to the Chicago Bulls and why they picked Dwayne Wade, I get it. In fact, I'm glad we got it. So welcome, Dwayne Wade. I, I understand the choice. Now transition with me. Though I understand why the Bulls would pick Dwayne Wade, here's what I don't get. Why God would choose Abram. And let me explore some information with you, and maybe you'll head scratch a little bit with me. Here's what we know about Abram and his family line. Uh, in Joshua, it records this. Long ago, your ancestors, including Terah, the father of Abraham and Nahor, lived beyond the Euphrates River, and they worshipped other gods. Did you know that the father of our faith was an idolater? That's what commentators think, that along with Terah, he also worshipped other gods. That's why some think he was in Haran. Because in Haran at the time was the moon god named Sin, and some think they had settled there to worship the moon god, who's uncannily enough was called Sin. Because <laughs> idolatry is sin, and anyway, this is just funny. Um, but he was maybe an idolater. Here's what we also know about Abram. That Abram and his wife Sarai had the same father in Terah. Now, they had a different mother, but that's not necessarily good either. So, a.k.a., if you weren't tracking with me, Abram's wife is his sister. Now, I don't know about your family dynamics, but that's weird to me, okay? Um, <laughs> maybe not in Tennessee, but anyway, I'm uh, just kidding, just kidding, just kidding. Anyway. That isn't the, the, the novel choice uh, to make the father of the faith. Is it an idolater who married his sister? And so what we recognize straight out about Bible characters is they weren't chosen because of some lofty goodness in and of themselves. They weren't chosen because they were extra special and extra holy. It wasn't about what was in them. Rather, when it comes to, to God, his choice is about mercy, not the man or the woman. You find the same thing in David. I don't know if you know his story, but the guy after God's own heart was an adulterer and a murderer in a crazy way. I don't know if you read the story of Noah and when he got drunk. I don't know if you know the story about Peter and his cowardice or the story of Paul who wrote most of the New Testament as an accomplice to murder. See, God will never let us be so enamored about a person. He will always just deflect and say the true thing we should be enamored by is, is by God. 
Now, I was reading a commentator who said this about the choice of Abram. Uh, Charles Swindoll said, the, the Lord chose Abram for reasons known only in heaven. Abram did nothing to earn or deserve God's favor. The truth is, it's the same with you and I. And first of all, I just want to pause and rejoice with you. Isn't it awesome we've been called by God to know him? Is anyone else excited about that? Have you ever had these moments in life where you're like, I'm not sure why, of all the people in the world, I can know Jesus as Savior. Know that I am completely forgiven and at peace with God. Know that heaven is my true home. Why in the world would God let me in on that information? And the answer is, it's because, it's not because of anything in us, it's because of what was in God. Not because of anything in our heart or mind, because of everything that was in God's heart and mind for us. Consider this passage about God's choosing. It says in Ephesians, in love he predestined us, he chose us, to the adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and his will. Again, there was nothing in us that God should choose us. And so we just default and we say, man, it's good to be called. And here's why I want to speak to you if you don't consider yourself a Christian. Maybe you're watching online. Maybe you have questions. I believe, whether you realize it or not, it's a privilege that you can hear about Jesus, Savior. And maybe today Jesus will be calling you so so that you would know him like never before. Because the love I proclaim is the love for you, whether you realize it or not. The love that he died for you and forgave you, that is his call on your heart today. But now let's get back into uncertainty, because that's why we came, right? What do we do with uncertainty? And I just want to pause and reflect on Abraham's life. At this time, when when Abram is called to go, he is 75 years old. Now, I won't raise your hand for who's 75 years old, but uh, um, I will say this. The older I get, the more comfortable I get with the same things. Does that make sense? The older I get, the more comfortable I am with the same food, with the same locations, with the same people. In fact, I would admit that I'm probably more adverse to change the older that I get. Is that maybe common? Know what you know? So Abram is 75 years old, and he knows everything about life. He knows the people, his family, how to make a living. He knows what he likes, where not to go, all these things at 75. And when God tells him to leave, he knows exactly what he's leaving without having a clue what he's getting. Isn't that phenomenal? He knows exactly what he's leaving in detail without knowing a clue of what he's getting, where he's going to work, what it's going to be like, what the people are like, right? And yet, what is his response? Look at verse 4 with me as God calls him to go. Verse 4 is something that is applaudable in the life of Abram. So Abram went as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. So this is the big principle. This is one big takeaway when it comes to uncertainty. Abram shows us that you don't have to know the outcome in order to obey. You don't have to know how it all plays out in order to follow what you know God says right now. And very often, I believe it works the same way in our lives. When we obey God, sometimes we know exactly what we're missing out on without knowing exactly what we're gaining. Maybe there are some teen girls in the room, and, and teen girls, sometimes you, you talk behind each other's backs, and I'm speaking in generalities, and, and someone said something bad about you, and, and everything in you wants to talk to, the, to someone about them and, and say the same things about them, and, and you know what, exactly what you're leaving by not saying that or continuing that pattern, and it hurts. And you don't always know what you're gaining by not gossiping. 
Or, or look at service for the Lord. Sometimes we know the exact hours we put in in service for the Lord. We know what it took without knowing exactly where this all leads. Or how about offerings? As we give to the Lord out of what he gave us, we know exactly what we're giving and not knowing what are you going to do with it. I tell you, we don't always know the outcome. But it doesn't mean we can't obey. And here's another thing that I know about obedience. You will never look back and regret your obedience the way you regret some other things. When we obey, even when we can't see the outcome, we again will be in the place where God wants us, whether that's a good place, bad place, but we'll never regret our obedience or giving God glory. So right now, in your uncertainty, I don't know what it is, just continue obeying. You might not know what works out. You might not know what God is bringing, but I would just commit to you that doing it the Lord's way, doing it God's way, whatever that is in relationships and finance and whatever it is, is, is going to be the way that, that, that pleases God and works best in your life. But another thing I want to consider with you is the upside of uncertainty. Uncertainty is not very fun, but I believe God does some of his best work. And, and to illustrate this, I want to talk about uh, something I saw on Facebook. Um, yes, I am a Facebook stalker, so watch out. Um, I will see what you post on Facebook. And this one I, I saw on Facebook, and it was a story about a girl who for the very first time saw her mom at age two. Let me tell you this story. It was a girl in Brazil who was two-year-old. Her name was Nicole Pereira, and she had a disease where fluid would build up in her eyes so that she could not see her mom. Her mom exhausted all the medical resources in Brazil and to no avail that she couldn't see, she couldn't see, she couldn't see. So the mom posted her story on Facebook, and the Facebook community took a hold of it. And after some time, they raised $17,000, the Facebook community. They flew this family to the States so that this girl could have an eye-opening surgery that, that worked, and she saw her mom for the very first time. If it's okay, I wanted to share with you this video, just recalling what I just told you. Here it is. And how awesome is that story? I'm not a very touchy-feely guy, but that one, that was pretty good. And, uh, and, and I want to reflect with you, just consider yourself at that mom. Think of having a child that, that, that you can't control their outcome. Think of that child where you would do anything to change a health circumstance, but, 
but you just can't. The surgeries, everything in control. And, and what I believe that mom was had to recognize and what uncertainty does in those situations, it forces us to say, I'm not in control. It, it forces us. Have you ever been there with a kid? You just realized, I am not in control of this. I don't know how it's going to work out. That, that's an okay admission. Maybe it was a life circumstance for you again. It looks on the future. I, I don't know how to control what's going to happen. Uncertainty is a crucible that forces us to say that. And I know it's not very easy, but it is exactly where God wants us because I tell you, when we get to that place, we crave the one who is in control, don't we? We crave the one who can do something about it and say, you better show up because I can't do it. And then it leads us to the other point. When God shows up, uncertainty forces us to say, I cannot take the credit. Do you think that mom, when the eyes were open, said, look at what a great mom I am. Wow, I certainly came and solved the day. No, she had to recognize how God worked through many things, through the Facebook community and through those surgeons and through the medical care. And, and she had the greatest reflection. The one word I feel right now is what? Is God. That's what uncertainty does. So that when God shows up, we recognize and we don't forget that he gets all the glory and he gets all the credit because we were lost without him. That's the upside of uncertainty. But I would admit that I don't always handle uncertainty very well. And maybe you'd admit the same. That sometimes when, when I feel like my life is wandering, it's easy for my actions to wander a little bit. If I feel like my life is spiraling, it's easy for my sin to spiral a little bit and maybe fill up a sin quota because that's the way to cope. Or maybe to dull my senses because I don't know how it's going to work out. Or maybe to sinfully worry. I don't know what your response is, but have you ever sinfully handled uncertainty? If you can relate to that and spiraled with me, let's leave that here. Let's say even in the times I don't know, I'm going to obey. I'm going to obey even though I don't know how it works out. That is the proper response. And let's leave that sinful spiraling here today. And let's look again at Jesus. Jesus, who would be an offspring of Abraham. Jesus, who fulfilled the promise. You know why Abraham's line could be a blessing to all? Because Jesus would come from that line. And what we know about Jesus is that he obeyed even though he knew the dire outcome. He obeyed even though he knew it led to that. But because of that, we are forgiven. We have joy, we have peace, all because of Jesus' obedience, though he knew the bad outcome. And so I say it again, if you're not a Christian, I believe this is the call of God on your heart. That this Jesus came exactly for you. That he shed his blood exactly for you, so you this day could know you're a child of God, know you are forgiven and redeemed, all because of him. May you see God's calling in your life today. But let's close with a final thought. How do we get to the point where we can obey though we don't know? I told you what to do, but how do we get there? And I want to set it up by talking about a, a passage I saw on Facebook this last week. I was just on Facebook, I guess, this all week. But anyway, um, <laughs> and, and, and with what 
happening in Dallas and happening in Orlando, I've heard many um, of this passage just shared by many different sources. It's a passage, it's funny, it came up in my own devotional reading, so maybe God is using it. Uh, look at this passage. It says in Second Chronicles, When I shut up the heavens so that there is no rain, or command locusts to devour the land, or send a plague among my people. Or maybe we could fill in the blanks. When what happens in Orlando and what happens in Dallas, um, when we face ISIS threats, when all that happens, then, then look, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I'll forgive their sin and will hear their la- heal their land. Many people right now are using these circumstances to call for repentance, and I tell you, repentance is always appropriate. We should always turn back to the Lord and say, forgive us and, and keep us in the palm of your hand and bless us despite what's going on. But this is a conditional promise, isn't it? And it's conditioned on this one word. Could you say it with me? It is if. Now let's go to the promise Abram was given. Look with me again at verses one or 2 and 3. Picking up at verse 2, it says, I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you because the Messiah is coming from your line. Now, you know what word was missing? If. I think Abram's promise was far superior than this promise because it wasn't conditioned on anything that Abram would do. This is what we call unconditional covenants and unconditional promises. And I love them. They epitomize what grace is all about. They epitomize the gift of God. Consider the gifts that we've had in our life. I remember when I got an unconditional promise from my dad. My dad decided when we were in grade school that one day we would go to see the Wisconsin, Wisconsin Badgers play basketball in the field house. And before I could weigh in on the option, he bought the tickets. And then one day I remember going and I saw Richard Griffith playing, and he was a big tall guy, and I saw the tuba section, which I thought was really cool, and I heard on Wisconsin. And, and why did all of this happen? Because I was a good boy? No. It's because I was given an unconditional promise that, boy, we are going to that Badger game whether you like it or not. So we went. I love unconditional promises, don't you? That's how we handle, my friends, uncertain times. That's how we get through and that's how we obey. Abraham could handle uncertain times because he was given unconditional terms. And maybe you don't have the same terms from Abraham. He's never promised to make your name great or your nation great. And maybe that's okay. But has he given you any unconditional terms? He has. One of my favorites, maybe you've heard me say it, is never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. Which means it doesn't matter where you move. I'm moving there too. It doesn't matter who you miss. I hold your heart in the palm of my hands. Another promise says that God's unfailing love, because of it, we will not be shaken. No matter how often I get lonely, no matter how often life is hard, I will not be shaken because of unfailing love that is always mine. Or the future. Does anyone know what it said in Jeremiah 29? I know the plans I have for you. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you, to give you hope and a future or a provision. The birds, the flowers, yeah, I got them, so I got you too. This is how we obey and this is how we handle uncertain times. We do it with unconditional terms. 
and we cling to those promises. So if you are in uncertainty today, go back and find your favorite unconditional terms. Go back and let them ruminate in your mind. Go back and live by them, and we will handle uncertainty very well. But now let me pray for you. Pray. Heavenly Father, help me to know what to do with these words. Give me strength to do them. Let me see that my life is still in your hands and that you hold me tight. But bless us as we live by your promises. Give us hope and a future. In Jesus' name, amen.